pray. Our Holy Father, we are sinners before you, but we have received mercy in your Son and in his death for us. You have given us your word, and you've given us your spirit to understand your word. When we hear today what your word says to the church, open our eyes, our hearts, and minds that we may walk in your ways, oh Lord. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. New Yorker Beatrice B. Schwartz, a healthcare professional, widowed in 2012, believes that no one can prepare a woman for what she will face. The world is not sympathetic to what you're going through. They don't give you any time to grieve properly. B's husband died suddenly at age 67. He always told me he'd die before me, and he explained all the financial arrangements to me. There were no secrets, B said. He said, listen, you'll go on living, and you need to know what's what. Even so, when David collapsed one morning in his building foyer and died an hour later, the weight of what was to come hit B with brute force. The landlord is at your door asking you for your wedding certificate because the place is in his name, so they want you to prove that you have the right to live there. Your life is suddenly in probate. You can't even, for a few days, process what's just happened to you because the business demands taken care of, and the business is not simple. The moment a woman is at her most vulnerable, she must make choices that will have an enduring impact on her well-being. Should the body be cremated or preserved or buried quickly but intact? Will the funeral service take place in a house of worship, a funeral hall, or a home? What kind of casket is required? And depending on the choices she makes, even a simple funeral can cost between $5,000 and $10,000. Widowhood is not something any sane woman wants to think about. Loneliness and expenses are scary thoughts that for some are present realities. Are widows just to, supposed to be to themselves alone and helpless? Does God even care about them? And if so, how does God care for the widow? Well, we know clearly from Scripture that God has a special interest in the affairs of widows and orphans. In fact, the role of the deacon for the church came into being because of the need for widow care. And how, but how are widows supposed to be taken care of? Now, you've probably never heard a sermon on widows. And that's the beauty about preaching through books of the Bible. You have to go through challenging passages and also passages that are often neglected. Well, widow care is so important that the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, took time to write to Timothy and the church about widow care responsibility. And we have many widows here. And you know what? Jesus cares about them, and we should this morning, we will continue in Paul's instruction to Timothy on how the church is supposed to function and operate as we go through 1 Timothy 5, verses 1 through 16. That's 1 Timothy 5, 
1 through 16. This text teaches us the the Christian family's responsibility to their widows, the church's responsibility for their widows, and through it all we'll see how we can effectively minister to this precious group. But firstly, the individual Christian household must take care of their widows. Look with me at verses 1 through 4, 7 and 8, and 16. Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Skip down to verse 7. Command these things as well, so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Skip down to verse 16. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So before we get into the ministry to widows, Paul makes a statement of how Timothy as an overseer, as an elder, as a pastor, is to minister to different age groups. First, do not rebuke an older man. Now this is the same Greek word as a Greek word as elder, but he's not referring to the office here. He's speaking literally of an older man. As an overseer, Timothy must correct and instruct those within the church. However, He's not to harshly correct an older man, but correct him as, he, as if he was speaking to his father. He's not to speak to him in a tone as he would a younger man, but with reverence and respect. And he is to exhort and plead with him in kindness, and the same goes for the rest. Minister to older women as if they're your mother, younger men as your brothers, and younger women as your sisters, hence the need for the prepositional phrase, in all purity. Ministry, minister to women as mothers and sisters. Let that be your mindset. And with that, Paul goes on to a category of women of which Christian families and the church have a specific and important obligation. Widows. He begins with honor widows who are truly widows, or some translations say widows indeed. So three things to unpack here. First, what does he mean by honor? Well, of course, it does mean to revere and to respect, but there's something more concrete than this. Paul, later on in this letter, in this actually the same chapter, uses this term speaking of honoring elders or pastors. What he's getting at here is and honoring means uh, is referring to financial or material provision. This is the concrete way in which they were to honor their widows. Second, what is a widow? Well, it is a a married woman whose husband has died and remains unmarried. Biblically speaking, this is always a woman. There is no category for a widower in the Bible. When Sarah died, Abraham was never called a widower. Now, in Scripture, it is only designated for women who have lost their husbands. And they are always meant to be taken care of by the people of God. 
Now, does that mean that we don't minister to widowers? No, of course we do. But we have been commanded to prioritize widows. And it's also important to note that widows are always, throughout Scripture, placed together with orphans, the fatherless. But there's no category for orphans. You have some types of orphans here and some types like that. That's not, there's not a category for them. Orphans are parentless children of the age which that would still belong to a household of a father and a mother. If, God forbid, a couple in this church died in a car accident, we as a church would take care of these precious children of that household, all of them, and take care of them and do what we needed to do for them. But there aren't categories for orphans like there would be for widows. So they are not mentioned in this text. There are different categories for widows. So that brings us to the third word or phrase that needed an explanation. What does he mean by true widows or widows indeed? Well, we know that it is the church's responsibility to take care of those among them who are truly widows. We know that. It's clear. But a widow indeed, what does that mean? And we'll, we'll get there in a few moments. But first, let's see how all widows are to be taken care of. Look at verse 4. It says, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. If a widow has children or grandchildren, they are responsible to take care of their mother. Honor your father and your mother is a lifetime commandment. You're responsible for your parents when they get older. They took care of you as a child, and you are to take care of them as they get older. And this is pleasing in the sight of God because it is a command of God. And this is your responsibility as a child. It's not the church's responsibility. It's not the government's responsibility. It's the Christian family's responsibility to take care of their widowed mothers. For the, the woman risked her life to bring you into this world. She fed you. She stayed with you all night to make sure you were fed. She took care of you when you were sick. She kept you alive as a child. And these are things that even lost people, people who don't know Jesus, recognize and practice. Look at verse 8. It says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, Paul uses the term especially, malasta, the Greek word malasta. He uses this word in chapter 4, verse 10, referring to God being the Savior of all people, especially believers. So he's not introducing a new category here, but clarifying what he said before, giving specificity here. For example, Savior of all people, that is, or specifically, believers over all the world. And who are the people? Believers. Or here in this text, provide for his relatives, that is, specifically his household, his immediate family. And who are the relatives? The household. And this includes for them, their parents. And Paul uses this phrase again, we'll see next week. But if someone does not care for his household, the members of his family, and in this context, their widowed mother, he or she is worse than an unbeliever. 
How can you be worse than an unbeliever? What, what is worse than an unbeliever? And that's how severe the condemnation is for someone who neglects their widowed mother. He or she is not doing something that even a pagan does. Therefore, their lives are markedly worse than someone who doesn't claim Christ. They have denied the faith, and they are in the same category as those false teachers in chapters 1 and chapters 4. So it's your responsibility, it's our responsibility to take care of our widowed mothers. In verse 7, Timothy is told to command these things as well. Why? So that the church and her members, repeated a continual phrase here, would be above reproach. There's no scandal clouding their witness. They do the things that even the pagans find commendable and even practice. How much more should the Christians or the church take care of these things? Now look down at verse 16. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are truly widows. So Christian women and men, for that matter, are to care for their widowed relatives. Why? So that, in verse 16, so that the church would not be burdened, so that the church could take care of those who are true widows. If the church is caring for all the widows permanently, those who are truly widows, the ones truly in need, will get shafted. If everyone gets a check, the ones who need it will have pl- who don't need it will have plenty, and the ones who need it will still be lacking. So we can't, as a church, be burdened because of they can't let the church be burdened because of our negligence to our own family. The care of Christian widows with families is the sole responsibility of her family, not the church. So what does this look like? Well, it looks like making sure their daily needs are met, shelter, food, transportation, etc., And how this works out, it looks differently for every family. It's not to say you necessarily have to build a little room or a house connected to yours, although you very well can. No, you you make sure that your widowed mothers are loved for, cared for, provided for, and honorably treated. And this goes beyond just the physical needs. You need to be there for her, to spend time with her, to make sure she takes her medicines, have her involved in your children's lives, be with her at some of her doctor's appointments. Set an example for your children because there will come a time when they will be taking care of you. Husbands, this means for you to think about your wife. Do you have things in place for her as you get older to make sure she is taken care of if you're the first one to pass away? This is not just an obligation on the children, but you as well. Make sure your wife only has to grieve for you and not be burdened by financial strain and also put a strain on your other relatives. The whole family is to take care of widows. Our Lord Jesus, as he was dying on the cross, took care of his widowed mother. First of all, just like the rest of us, he died for her sins. He rose that she and all of us would have eternal life in him. He will one day for her, like the rest of us who have repented to believe with him, believed in him, raise us to reign in the renewed earth forever with 
him. But as he was on the cross, what else did he do? Well, the Gospel of John tells us that he gave the responsibility of taking care of, his, of Mary, his mother, to the disciple whom he loved, John. To Mary, he said, woman, behold your son. To the disciple, he said, behold your mother. Even at his last breath, Christ fulfills the law, the fifth commandment. For he was the only one who ever perfectly fulfilled it. Our failures remind us of our need for him, our need for a savior. There's forgiveness only in him. He gives us pardon through his shed blood. And now, for those of us who trusted in him, we gladly walk in his commandments by the power of his spirit. And we are responsible for our widowed mothers. But wait, wait a second. What about those widows who don't have children? And what does all this talk about widows indeed? And are there some widows who aren't supposed to be provided for by the church? Well, verses 5 and 6 and 9 through 15 should answer that for us. And that leads us to the second point, that the household of God, the church, must care for her true widows. Verses 5 and 6. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Verses 9 through 15. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband, and having a reputation for good works. If she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to enroll younger widows for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying what they should not. So I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. So first, let's start with those who are not to receive permanent material support from the church. Well, are there types of widows the church is not to permanently support besides those with families? Yes. Well, we've seen one aspect of it in verse 6 of the self-indulgent widow. But the church is also to refuse permanent support of younger widows. Why? Well, they can get remarried. They are free to marry, remarry. It is not a sin for them to marry as a widow. In fact, Paul encourages these women to get married and have children and raise a family. This is a good thing. Do this. He encourages them in the Lord to get married and gives a warning to those who don't in verse 11. Look at verse 11 again. But refuse to enroll younger widows for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry and so incur condemnation for abandoning their former faith. Now, this doesn't make much sense here. He encourages them to get married, but then in verse 11, it seems, 11 and 12, it seems like he is discouraging them to get married. Well, which is it? 
Well, it's not marriage that is deprecated here, but the desires. She is drawn away into frustrating passions that often motivate marriage, and they are led astray to, led away to devotion, led away from devotion to Christ to a life of gossip and slander. Her idleness leads to boredom, which leads to all types of shameful behavior, uh, shameful activities. And then Paul isolates here her speech. This behavior will bring all kinds of condemnation and reproach. It will cause a black eye to the church. So he encourages them to marry. And he also commands the church not to regularly provide financial and material support for young widows. He says, refuse to enroll. Okay, then, who is to receive permanent support from the church? The widow who is a widow indeed. A true widow. Well, what is a true widow? Well, verses 5 and 9 and 10 give us the answer. And you'll notice the, the list somewhat follows the example of the list of qualifications of overseers and deacons from a couple chapters ago. The first qualification is that she is all alone. We see that, verse 5. She has no family, no family to take care of her. And then she is what you would call a, a prayer warrior. She is one who prays for her church and her members continually. She is one, and when you're around her, she's always asking how they can pray for you. She is constantly praising her God. And this contrasts the, the widow who is not to be supported by the church. The one who is devoted to selfish interests, besides the, uh, <clears throat> what is uh, to the Lord. Paul calls her dead spiritually. Now let's look at the other qualifications of the true widow, besides that she is alone and that she is a prayer. Look at verse 9. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband. Now, enrolled means essentially that she is a part of the regular budget of the church as far as benevolence goes. Her, her support is earmarked. The next qualification is that she must be at least 60 years old. Now, in 2022, 60 is not old at all. In a first century Palestine where the life expectancy is quite shorter than today, 60 would have been beyond the working age and the remarrying age. She was also to be a wife of one husband. Does that sound familiar? Oh, oh, a one-man woman. Similar qualifications to her elder or overseer in that case. Her life is marked by faithfulness to her spouse. She has no public scandal of adultery. This doesn't mean that she couldn't have been a widow a couple of times over. She could have remarried after her first husband passed away, and that husband, the next husband could have passed away. But she is known and has had a reputation of being a faithful wife. Also, she has a reputation of good works. And what are these good works that Paul is talking about here? He gives a list, and they almost have a poetic, rhythmic feeling to them. And these would have been publicly observed. And what are they? Well, that she has raised a family. She has a reputation of motherhood. Now, that doesn't exclude those who could not have children biologically. 
However, her reputation can include the, being a spiritual mother to many in the church. She has uh, raised many godly men and women in the church. She is known for motherly uh, uh, conduct and motherly reputation. Also, she has shown hospitality to both church members and guests. She has served her church and her members diligently. She has cared for those in the church who have suffered greatly. These are the good works of which the church is to observe in her. And these widows, these are the ones who are to receive a permanent, steady material support from the church. Now, Please don't mistake, young widows need our ministry too in terms of care and kindness and emotional support and sometimes temporary support. And widowers in the same way. And that's not what this is saying here. This is talking about permanent financial support of the church. And any support a church makes as far as financial material needs of the different types of widows is a temporary support. But for those who are truly widows, we continually, materially, and emotionally support them permanently. Okay? Well, so how do we as a church support our widows indeed? Well, we first we ask if we have any. If we don't currently, we may very well eventually have some. And it's good to have some earmarked in the budget for widow ministry. We become her family, make sure her needs are taken care of, just like as if she is our mother. We have to see our widows indeed as our own mothers. Now, generally speaking, how can we take care of all of our elderly widows? Now, they, they may have a family to take care of their basic needs, but how can we as a church minister to them? Although we don't support their most important needs, we still honor them, write them cards, we visit with them, we remember their anniversaries. And as we're getting close to the holidays, we take them goodies. And as we think about this passage, it also kind of serves as a, a paradigm of how to approach benevolence ministry as a whole. We are to be merciful stewards. Merciful in that we have an open hand and compassionate hearts. Stewards in that we are discerning of how we use our resources. Our local ministry is limited because we are a local ministry. We can't take care of everybody indiscriminately. Not all widows are to be continually supported. There are certain qualifications to meet. So why? Why would we have to be careful about this? Well, suppose... You have a couple of folks on separate occasions come to your door in the middle of a brutal snowstorm. Now, all you have in the house is some bread and some peanut butter. You, you don't have a lot. There's a knock on the door. And it's a, a grown single man, and he's asking for food. Now, right behind him, walking down the street... You see, unbeknownst to the man, there's a, there's a little girl with no family. She walks up asking for food as well. Well, who are you going to give the food to? Well, obviously, you're going to give it to the child. Why? Because the little child has no way to get money and to take care of herself. Well, the man has various avenues in which he can go and get provisions. He has ability. It's not that he doesn't have a need. 
He just ha- has several avenues in which he can get the provisions. He has ability. There may be a need, but there's a pecking order of those who get the limited provisions. And for this reason, the church's, the church's resources are limited. We have to make sure those who are truly in need get what they need. If we don't do that, then those who truly are in need will get the short end of the stick. So it's out of compassion for those who are truly in need, we must be discerning. And in this case of 1 Timothy, true widows are in the top priority in benevolence. Those who can't take care of themselves. This morning's text shows us that the household of God, the church, should care for her true widows, while the individual Christian household should care for their widows. The church takes care of the true widows. The Christian family takes care of the widows within their household. Now, there, admittedly, there are few widows who would fall under the category which Paul describes as widows indeed. Very few. Most of them are going to have families. And you may have a widow in your family, your very mother or grandmother. It is our responsibility as those redeemed by Christ, those of the household of faith, as individual Christians to take care of the widows of the family. It's not anyone else's. It's not the church's. So do you have a widowed mother? Call her today. Visit her if you're able. Observe any needs you may have and go meet those needs. As those who have been forgiven of sin through faith in the shed blood of Christ, we have been called to follow him. He has called us, all of us who know him, to visit and provide for our most vulnerable, in this case, widows. So pray for, provide for, and visit them. For those of you here that may not know Jesus, we keep talking about this Jesus. Who is this Jesus you're talking about? We invite you today to come to him for forgiveness of sin. You and I have sinned. We have continually broken his holy laws. We have not cared for the weak and vulnerable as we should. We have not loved him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. In love, he sent his son to die on the cross for the punishment for our sin. He rose from the grave that we can be raised and live with him eternally. And to receive forgiveness of sin and eternal life, we must repent and believe this message. Believe Christ as the Redeemer. So please, trust in him today. Call upon him today to save you, and he will. For he is the only Savior. And Jesus is the one who abundantly cares for widows. He has shown it in his word from Genesis to Revelation. He is their protector, and he manifests, listen to this, he manifests his care and protection through his body, the church. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, you care for us when we are weak. Give us grace to minister to the weak. We pray for our widows here at Providence. Lord, let them experience your love and your care through your church. I pray for those families in here that have widows in their family, Lord. I pray, Lord, that 
out of the abundance of your grace and understanding of your grace and mercy towards us, Lord, that we will act and, and take care of our widows. Lord, you are our God and our Savior. Thank you for your grace today. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.